everybody. Welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Author Series of Podcasts. I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and today I have a guest author, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. How you doing? I'm great, Deborah. How about you? I'm a little warm here in New York City, but we're, we're dealing with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm having a great time um, for people who've been uh, listening a, a lot. We've been doing uh, like a podcasting marathon with authors, and I'm loving every minute of it because you guys all have something new and different than the other guy did, and, and I'm learning a lot uh, just from listening to you. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the people a little bit about your background and what your current project is. Great. Well, my name is Nancy Sales, uh, and I am in real life a book publicist and also in recent years an author. Um, My first book was entitled Baby, an Owner's Manual, and that was done uh, by uh, traditional publishing a number of years ago, and we had two editions on that book. And then uh, uh, these days I'm working on uh, a book uh, entitled Weighty Issues. Getting the Skinny on Weight Loss Surgery, which I uh, wrote with uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Scott Kuneen, who is Director of Bariatric Surgery at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center here in Los Angeles. So he's a pretty heavy hitter in, uh, in that field. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he's, uh, he's my expert, and uh, we're pretty excited about this new book. Who came up with the title? Oh, guilty. I I love that title. That title is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, We had some fun with it. Uh, The book is done in uh, Q&A format with really easy to understand language, no medical jargon, uh, so that people who are thinking about um, embarking on this you know, life-changing situation, um, will have all the information that they need. This is really sitting down with with somebody who really knows this subject cold, like like you're sitting down with him in his office across the desk, you can ask him anything. And I did, and he answered, and we have a book. Yeah, and and that's really interesting. Uh, It's an interesting topic because there's so much going on in our country now with, you know, body awareness and, you know, dietary changes, bad diets, and, you know, people are are overweight more than they have been in any other time in our history. And I know a lot of people think that um, the weight loss surgery is a, uh, you know, gastric bypass is, is, is an easy answer. And yet they need to understand that uh, for it to work, there's a lot that goes along with it and that it creates other, like you said, it's life changing because there are other life, you know, life altering things that you have to do to go along with that. I think that that's uh, probably the biggest myth that we have to uh, bust in talking about this subject or this book is that it's weight loss surgery is somehow the easy way out. I swear to God. That's not true. Yeah. What it is, and there are, there are three actual, actually three procedures that we talk about in the book, which is one is the gastric band or lap band. One is the uh, gastric bypass that you mentioned. And, and the third is uh, uh, a newer procedure that is gaining uh, popularity called the sleeve gastrectomy. And um, 
these these are not the easy way out. This is, these are not the quick fixes. These are the tools that help us reach the goals that we need to reach to maintain or regain our health. Okay. Most of the people who go through these programs have some sort of um, uh, medical condition that goes along with obesity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctors call it uh, call them comorbidities. I I think that term should be stricken from the language. That is I, as depressing as it comes. I know it sounds like I'm morbid. I'm gonna. That's die. right. Well, I got to tell you, you know, the the people that they call morbidly obese, mm-hmm. I I uh, never thought that I would fit into that category. But at one time, evidently, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I I did. But uh, I did go through the surgery, and um, which is really how uh, how this book came into being. Um, the, this this guy, this doctor, handed me somewhere between seven and ten years of additional life expectancy. Wow! You know, and so uh, I I I can't I can't repay that. Right. I I offered him my firstborn, but he met him. He didn't want him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I uh, I was uh, at, actually at an appointment with him, and um, we were we were through with the uh, uh, procedure that I was having done that day. And I said, are, "Are you all done?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, I'm not. Sit down." Nice. And he did. The doctor sat down, and I and I said, "If there, there's a book here, and yeah. if you don't do it, somebody, somebody else will." will. Yeah, you might as well be the expert and, you know, let's go through this. And um, and I'm sure you explain the things that you need to do post-surgery to make oh, yeah. sure that you don't go back to how you were pre-surgery. Absolutely. Um, it, it is, it's a complete change of lifestyle. Uh, it, it is a complete change of one's relationship with food, which is... You know, really strong relationship in our lives. Yeah. Um, I, you know, they they ask you all these questions. You know, they they do all these assessments before you have surgery, and they say, well, "What kind of an eater are you?" You know, do you eat when you're sad? Sure. Do you eat when you're happy? Yeah. Uh, do, you know, <laughs> do you eat when you're bored? Often. Uh, <laughs> you know, and what it came down to was that I I just enjoyed food. Right. I. I call myself a social eater. Okay. All of my social engagements revolve around food. Food, yeah. You know, let's go to lunch. You want to have breakfast? Where are we going for dinner? Mm-hmm. Everything has to do, you meet people, it has to have food involved. And yeah. that's just a lifestyle thing. Yep. Well, I go out for a lot of coffee now. I was going to say, <laughs> you go out for coffee, let's have a Danish, let's do this, let's do that. And, but instead, now you're just like, you really do just drink the coffee. and Well, you know, and I'm, I'm limited to one cup of those per day, and that was uh, by special dispensation. Oh, they really don't want you to have a lot of caffeine. So I, I told the doc, you don't want to know me without a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> And uh, uh, so he okayed one cup, and I've stuck to that for three years. So I'm I'm really uh, uh, pretty excited. And uh, I I have to tell you that um, being no spring chicken, uh, I've never been healthier in my life. I'm at the gym every single morning of my life. Um, at actually at three thirty in the morning, I'm at the gym. 
Wow. I know it's crazy. I know I hear it all the time, but that's the time of day when I really don't have any excuses. Right. And is so, it because you stay up that late or because you get up that early? I get up that early. Okay. And that, you know, because I because I, I'm an independent in, in what I do and, and I work uh, on my own, I have the um, luxury of coming home and uh, grabbing another hour or two. Mm-hmm. So that's, and so that's what I do. And there are um, probably a dozen of us or so that have met, you know, through the gym and being there every day for many years that we become friends. We become gym friends. Yeah. And we, we're there and we, we cheer each other on and we support each other. And, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's a really, it's a good, it was a good habit to get into. Yeah. And you built your own little support group. Totally. Which is which totally. is really nice because it's you got to be dedicated people to be at the gym at three thirty in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and like you said though, people who have a busy hectic schedule, you know, are going to be people that that you know that's what time they go, and um, it's really funny because I'm a late night person, I'm not a morning person, mm-hmm. and I'll be saying good night while other people I know that that also live on the East Coast are like they're just getting up and they're hitting the gym at at like 4 a.m. or they're going for a run or, you know, something like that before the rest of the family gets up and before they have to start their work day. So kudos to all of those folks. I'm a walker. (laughs) I can walk. I can, I can walk. I don't, I don't go to the gym and work out, but I can walk. I can walk really, really far as long as I don't have to walk fast and I don't have to walk too much uphill. Well, I was recently in New York City, and I was very pleased that I could actually walk places. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without without being winded, you yep. know, I could actually not only go down the steps to the subway, but I can go up the steps. I know. That's that was when something you know, I could have done a couple of years ago. Yeah. That that's when you know you've got a problem is when you can't walk up the stairs, and you know they're daunting to you, and you're you're looking at them, and you you like get out your inhaler because you know you right. can't make it to the top. That's right. Um, so, all right. Now, in addition to, to being a very interesting book that you're that you're doing, you've been traditionally published, and you're self-publishing this book. And can you give us some uh, some of the reasoning behind that? Oh, Deborah, we don't call it self-publishing anymore. Oh, really? We call it independent. Oh, I'm sorry. You are correct. It's indie publishing <laughs> because self-publishing was, and and I understand exactly what you're saying. And some of our listeners may not because they may be the younger generation that doesn't remember vanity publishing. Oh, Vanity Press, absolutely. Yeah. So back in the day. Um, there were two ways to get published, which was traditional publishers. And if a traditional publisher turned you down, you could go to a vanity press, which was not a print-on-demand company like we're all used to now. It was a publishing company that you would pay to print your book. And the minimum order would be like 500 copies. And you would put those books in your garage. Exactly, exactly. And you would sell them out of your garage. You would go on websites or whatever, gold person, go to book fairs. Oh, this was way before websites, yeah. Yeah, there were no websites to go on. So you, you know, you like would get your books and you would take them out and you would, you know, you'd physically mail them to people when they ordered them from you. And you would do direct mail to sell them and... Um, you know, there was no publishing house support at all. 
Um, and then with the evolution of the internet, there was still, you know, there was still vanity presses, but then all of a sudden there was this new group of publishers, which are, you know, the Lulus, the Smashwords, the Create Space, you know, um, I, I think the innovators were Lulu, Cafe Press, and Create Space, and Create Space had a different name. Um, back then that I'm totally blanking on right now. But when they started, they were they were the pioneers where they actually allowed you to get like, you could, you could put your book online and people could buy it and you didn't have to house it and you could buy it one copy at a time. And that's what we're talking about for indie publishing and also there's a lot of small publishing houses. So why don't you tell us who you picked and why? Well, we... Uh we decided to uh, independently publish this for a couple of reasons. First of all, I uh, had been in touch with a lot of my publishing contacts. I had, uh, because I've been in the business for a long time, I could get to uh, major editors and publishers, uh, and so I could get sort of a read back as to uh, whether or not I, I I would have the possibility of a sale. Mm-hmm. I, with this particular subject. Um, I have I had publishers telling me that the that the audience was too small. Yep. Um, and uh, now there are two hundred thousand people uh, having weight loss surgery every year. Yeah, that's not small. A, a whole lot more who are considering it and yes. then don't you know don't wind up having it at, at you know at any given time. So I don't consider that a small market. But some of the bigger houses uh, did. Um, one particular very big house, the publisher told me that um, uh, I would have I told you so privileges. Oh. So I, I told them I'd get back to him. Nice. <laughs> when I when I sold a whole bunch of copies. Um, but uh, there was uh, last year when we had the book in preparation. Um, the one offer I did get was for publication in the, uh, the, the I think it was the spring of 2013, and we were still the middle of 2011. I yeah. said no, thank you. You know, I uh, we were going to be done with the book way ahead of that, and, and we wanted it out in the marketplace. So um, we decided to uh, become uh, our own little publisher. We are the Smiling Irish Press. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I got a doc who graduated from Notre Dame, and uh, uh, and I call him the Smiling Irishman. So you know what the heck. Um, and uh, uh, we, you know, we decided to do it ourselves. I wanted to do it myself this time because I wanted the ultimate control. And. Um, you know, by the way, not all independent publishing is print-on-demand. There are still, True. you know, short-run uh, um, houses all over the place that'll where you, where you do buy 500 or 1,000 or, or 5,000, and there are plenty of books in plenty of garages. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. Right. I didn't want to have books in my garage. This doctor didn't want to have books in his garage. So uh, we decided to go uh, print-on-demand through a company called Lightning Source. Okay. I'm sure you've talked about that uh, in the past. 
um, which is attached to you know the largest wholesaler, book wholesaler in the country, Ingram Book Company. So um, we decided to to go that route. I wanted control, Deborah. I wanted to name the book. I wanted to design the cover. Yeah. Wanted to have it executed to my liking. Yeah. I wanted to uh, to handle the writing and the editing. Uh, and if I needed outside help, which I, I did at one point, um, that was also going to be my choice. Um, I, I wanted to control the design of the book. Right. I wanted, to, I wanted to control what it looked like. And so I worked very closely with a designer um, who, <laughs> who probably wants me to lose his phone number at this point. But, you know... Uh, <laughs> Um, you know where I could say I I think that uh, that font is uh, a, a little large. I'd like to see it come down a couple of points. Right. You know, and so uh, you know, I are you sure the gutter is wide enough? You know. Yes. Um, so I I really micromanaged this from from beginning to end. This is the book I wanted to write. This is the book I wanted the the doctor to have to walk down the halls of the hospital, cover out, you know, um, yeah. uh, I, 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 uh, I, I got what I wanted and that's, and this is the way to do it. But well, I think that there are some things that people who are considering, um, independently publishing have to, have to, uh, remember. And that's just because you have an idea for a book, you know, doesn't make you Hemingway. <laughs> um, I'm a big believer in allowing people to do what it is they know how to do. Right. So I'm not going to sit down and and uh, open up my little graphics program and, and design a cover. I did a mock-up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did kind of a graphic sketch. Kind of this is this is a starting point. This is what I want. But in no way... Did I think it was going to be anything resembling final? I let somebody who does that for a living do it. Right. But uh, you were in control. I was in control. I, yes, I got. I got. You know, we we tweaked. We tweaked that cover till the cows came home. Uh, until we got something that uh, that we liked. That there liked. wasn't a third person involved, like the traditional publishing. There wasn't a third person involved saying, "No, we want the cover to be this." You know, it was you and the designer deciding how you wanted it to be. I, I did a mock-up. I did a mock-up for um, the, the revised edition of my first book um, because I had an idea of what I want the, wanted the cover to be. I did not like the first cover. Mm-hmm. And I said, here's, you know, here's an idea uh, that I'm thinking of, you know, in terms of the second cover. And the publisher said to me, I hate this. <laughs> And I, I told him, don't beat around the bush. Just tell me what's on your mind. <laughs> tell me what you think. And he had uh, an artist that he works with, you know, give uh, uh, send me the next uh, draft. And I called him back and I said, I hate this. Um, and I said, uh, by the way, who's paying for this? Yeah. He, he said, I am, meaning him. Yeah. I said, then I love it. I don't have a vote. Yeah, exactly. If it's, if it's his checkbook, 
And, you know, if you're dealing with a traditional publisher, it is their checkbook. You know, that's what they do for a living. Chances are, for, for uh, new, new writers, um, their, their choices are going to be better. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have uh, anything, any input. Right. So um, I, had, uh, I had two books uh, come out, or two editions of the same book come out, with covers that I couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I figured that this time I would have the control. Right. So, um, you know, the, the taste is, is my taste. Is it perfect? No. I'm actually looking to have it revised. I have some ideas on how to revise it for the next edition. We are working on a revision even as we speak uh, of, of the book because there are, there's so much new information. We don't want it to be out of date. Yeah. That's another point about independent publishing, by the way, Deborah. When, when information, if you're dealing in nonfiction stuff and new information becomes available, you it's gotta change real, it. <laughs> yeah. You know. You got to be able to give your publisher um, a, a new copy and have them be able to update it for you right away. And like you said about the publishing in 2013, you're already doing. You finished the book and you're already doing a revision. If you had to wait until 2013, everything would have been outdated. But absolutely, absolutely useless. So um, I, that's another reason that I'm very glad that I, I went this route. Then uh, you know so. I, I um, had all of these questions and answers um, uh, in, in a Word file, and I printed everything out, and I took it to an editor friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I said, this is the only way that I can figure out how to, I, I got to figure out how to organize this material, and the only thing I can think to do is to sit down on my living room floor and lay out all the pages. Right. I said, so I don't want to do that, so I'm going to come to your house. <laughs> Lay them all out <laughs> and, on your and floor. And use your living room floor. And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, she was excellent. She took a look at it and said, oh, you need sections. Yeah. Here, this goes with this, this goes with that, put this over here. And in a couple of hours, I had an organized book. Yep, because you went to someone who knew what they were doing. Oh my God! I, I, I when I think of uh, of having done that without her, I, I would have I would have been tearing my hair out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, this, uh, you know, that's the way that went. I think that what writers have to realize is that everybody has their own little niche mm-hmm. um, when it comes to you know getting the material together and and what is it going to be and. It's so important to find out who is your audience and how are you going to gear this material to people who are going to be interested in it. And uh, having, there is something very heady about, uh, about having the control and, and opening that box when that first order comes. Right. And see, you know, I, having worked for a publisher many years ago for a number of years, I... I really, I had the pleasure of, of giving authors that experience. Yes. Opening here's the book. The first, you know, here's the first carton of books. Yep. And, you know, you open it up and they were always just so thrilled. 
Well, I got to tell you, when my first carton of books came, I understood. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same way when um, I published most of my books to Kindle first, um, simply because um, I actually like reading them on my Kindle and I do um, a lot of nonfiction and I also am a professional photographer. So I like the fact that I can carry all my photography books on my Kindle. And I also like that they're all in full color. And I was afraid, actually, to even approach loading a book up to Create Space because I know how much full color books cost in the past. I worked for CafePress.com for a while and I was really familiar with Lulu.com. And I knew that, you know, coffee table books or books with full color pages of any kind were extremely expensive. And I held back. And when I put my first book up on Create Space, I was surprised at how little it cost. And once I once I put it up there, you know, the very first one, you don't let it go to press without getting a proof copy. Right. And I when I got that very first proof copy in the mail, you know, I got the book, I, I got the box, and I'm like, oh, it's from Create Space. And I sliced it open, and there was my book. And it looked wonderful. Oh. And it was like you can't you can't replicate that. And um, my boyfriend did the same thing this past week. He had a book on Kindle, and he finally decided that um, the website that he created the book for is about classic cars. And his demographic, and this goes to knowing your audience and being in control. His demographic was older men that don't know what a Kindle is and don't right. care. You know, they're still they're still out there with their wrenches working on their engines, you know, they're 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 working on classic cars and they have no clue about computerized anything and they don't want to know. You know, all they know is they go to this website and they get this newsletter and it's very interesting to them and they love it. So when he put out the Kindle book, he sold a couple copies and then, you know, people were like, Well, where can I get a real version? So after, like, you know, a month, we finally said, all right, let's get this up on CreateSpace. He sent out the newsletter and he sold copies the first day because people wanted, they didn't care about the price, that people wanted that book in their hands, you know, to be able to flip through the photos of the classic cars that were in it and then be able to show it to their friends. And know your audience, you know, is your audience a Kindle audience or is your audience a print book audience and today it's so easy to give them both oh I think and I think it's necessary to give them both yep <clears throat> and uh, but I don't think that I don't think that it's uh, appropriate to pick one instead of the other right uh, because I think then you're losing you're um, losing an audience a huge part of your audience um, <clears throat> uh, I have I, I've told you in, in some of our correspondence that I'm rather a dinosaur and uh, so I, I refer to the old days a lot mm -hmm. and um, this whole the whole Kindle uh, um, you know ebook situation is still pretty new to me but it's it, it's pretty exciting when people will stop me and, and say oh I downloaded your book now what you said was kind of interesting because you I didn't realize that you could do now Kindle itself doesn't support color, does it? It's got to be the Kindle Fire, right? It's got to be the Kindle Fire and the Barnes and Noble Nook. They both right. support color. And 
and isn't there is there a tremendous difference in uh, in price um, between that and just uh, just black and white? Um, the Kindle black and whites are um, a little bit less expensive, but let's face it, a Kindle Fire is two hundred bucks. No, I'm not talking about the, the the hardware. I'm talking about the preparation for the book. Oh no, and. I actually came up with a flow, a workflow, because again, I'm a photographer, so um, I have high-resolution images. And Kindle has a uh, a size limit on the size of their manuscripts, so that you know you don't, you can't take up somebody all the space on somebody's Kindle with just your book, <laughs> right? And we're still talking about display versus print quality. So at first, I was making the books and, you know, you make them in a Word document and you can compress the images. And I was doing that and not saving a copy of the master or I was doing it as I was going along and, um, and I hadn't started doing the create space thing yet. So I was, I, I was resizing my images to be smaller and I was using the smaller images, and I didn't put them in their own folder, and I was very disorganized, but I was getting books up on the Kindle, and people were loving them. And then I'm like, okay, now I want to do a print copy. Oh, now i got to go find all the pictures all over again and put the high-res copy into the CreateSpace manuscript. Now, if you're working with images, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm elaborating on this is that some folks have talked to me about this in past that are like, you know, they're an artist that wants to maybe put their art in a book or mm-hmm. their photographers or their illustrators or whatever. What you do is you create your document in Word and you save it as a DOCX. And you're not going to upload the DOCX to anywhere. However, what you're going to do with the DOCX, doc, D-O-C-X, is you're going to put all your high-resolution images you're gonna you're gonna um, format this as a. At first, you're just gonna format it like you are for the Kindle, which means hardly any formatting because Kindle is just like a website where it's just gonna flow and they can adjust the size if they want. You know, you're not gonna always keep your text on the same page as your image because people can adjust all those things within their e-reader. But on your CreateSpace book, you have that control, so you create the document as a doc. DOCX with all of your master images and all of your, you know, your nice font. And then you're going to save it as your um, dash create space version or, dot, or, or a master. And then you're going to take and you're going to go back into Microsoft Word and you're going to click on the button that says compress, reduce file size. And then that's going to compress all of your images to um, you can pick 220 DPI or 120 or um, 92. Mm-hmm. Um, the lowest you ever want to go is 90. It's 96, not 92. But you can compress it to 220, and then see if your file size is okay. Then you go ahead and save that as your dot. You convert it to a dot doc without the x at the end, and that becomes your Kindle version. And then you can go back, you can upload the Kindle version, put your cover up, all that good stuff. And then you go to Create Space and you, um, you look back at your document and you switch things around a little bit. You know, on an ebook, you want certain things to be in the front, but on a, um, on a print book, you want other things to be in the front. 
and different things to be at the end. And you take that master and you upload it to Create Space, and then they have this wonderful previewer that will show you exactly how your book is laid out. Wow. wow. You know, you see, Deborah, you have just. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm going to. Sorry, can't talk. Bye. <laughs> I got to tell you something. My phone never rings. Nice. We, we have a uh, you have just of- illustrated. Um, you've just made my point about leaving uh, certain things to the people who know what they're doing. Right. Because even though in listening to you talk, I recognized all those words as English. Yeah. What I was hearing was wah, 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 wah. <laughs> 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 I mean, I don't have a clue, right. uh, but my designer would, yep. you know, my designer would understand what you just said. Um, and I think I'm just going to stay with uh, black and white. Yeah. And for your purposes, black and white is fine because people yeah. are used to medical books being in black and white. Right. And that's not an issue. And, you know, you can be uh, read across all the different readers and, you know, none of those readers are being retired. And some of the Kindles that are only black and white are bigger than the Kindle Fire. And, you know, people can adjust whatever they need to adjust. And, and you're, um, I'm assuming, you have mostly illustrations or photos that were black and white to begin with. So Yeah, I, I didn't, we didn't use, we didn't use illustrations at all. Okay. We just have, you know, just little little icons you know throughout just to make it a little bit interesting okay. but you know we had to make the decision whether we were going to illustrate and do charts and do you know uh, and, and we decided against it so mm-hmm. this is you know strictly uh strictly conversations that you would you know have with somebody uh with a doctor mm-hmm. um and uh and and that's why we went that route um but you know another thing that i think that is important to bring up when it comes to independent publishing is whether or not you're going to go print on demand right. or whether you're going to print a quantity and go through a distributor. Right. You know, to become a little publisher and to go to one of the, the, the uh, houses that distributes uh, into the, the uh, print uh, marketplace and, um, and, you know, be, be a little publisher. Yep. You know, Simon & Schuster, only smaller... Uh, and uh, the problem is, uh, and the reason that we made the decision to do it the way we did, is that, as as I'm sure your listeners are well aware, in the publishing industry, unlike elsewhere in retail, books are 100% returnable. Yep. And if they do not sell in a, in a period of time, they come back to you and you put them between two pieces of rye bread... And have lunch. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there was no other way to do it back in the day, as mm-hmm. uh, my kid likes to put it. Uh, and, and, and you, you know, you were stuck doing it. Then you go back to the whole idea of, you know, they're in the garage and then, you, you know, you send them out. You send them to the distributor. They have them in their warehouse. And, uh, and the costs start adding up. And what you get as a return is very small, very limited, and it'll probably cost way more money than you'll ever make on the books. Right. Um, Which is fine for the doctor, because he'll get a lot more surgeries. <laughs> Not so great for you. I don't, yeah, I don't worry about the doctor, let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. 
but um, you know, it's it is not possible for me to to get into you know those kinds of costs. So, um, and I'm I'm half this equation. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I consulted with the heavy hitters in publishing that I've been friends with for uh, many, many years. Um, and one of them, who's probably the smartest guy who's ever been in publishing, uh, said, uh, uh, do you have, uh, do you have a, an author, meaning the doctor, right. who's, who has the time and inclination to tour for the book, to put a lot of time into promote, promoting the book? And I said, actually, no. No. I mean, have that kind of time. <laughs> and uh, he said, then, then do it this way. Do it print on demand and uh, promote the hell out of it the way you know how to do and see what happens. And that's exactly what we're in the midst of doing right now. Okay. We're, we're, we're promoting the book on something that I usually call the drip theory rather than go into a huge launch Yes. or a huge blitz, I get out there and I do a little of this and I do a little of that and we do a little TV and we do a little internet and I do a little press release and uh, I get the word out in any way that I can think to do it, the old way and the new way. Yep. Well, and there's another interesting point is that, you know, you still read about book launches and I still hear people talk about book launches well, to me, the book launch is when I click publish on KDP. Exactly. You know, so, and then I go put that book up on all my websites and I send an email to people that are on my mailing lists or whatever, but there's no party, there's no book signing, there's no, you know, brass band. It's it's launched as soon as I hit the button and says say it's launched. <laughs> I just had a meeting with an author who I will probably be doing some work with uh, in the future, uh, who launched a book through social media mm-hmm. and, you know, with, you know, all, all the, all the words I still, you know, that are still fuzzy for me, the search engine optimization and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't, I got to tell you, I don't tweet. Uh, I have Facebook, but I don't tweet. Um, and, this gal put together, a, or somebody actually did it for her, put together a launch that actually went so viral, um, it was, uh, they, they estimated 10 million people saw the wow. announcement of this new book. Well, I'm going, 10 million people, oh my God, and even if you, if you go, back, go backwards, work backwards to say, you know, what kind of percentage would actually go and, and buy the book, uh, even if it was minuscule, it's going to be a ton of books. Yep. Well, you know, she got a good, I was very surprised to see, she got a good Amazon ranking. Uh, you know, you could see the movement there. But what you can't do is count the books. Right. You don't know how many books that represents. Right. I once did a, a, a press release uh, distribution for a book, and, and the guy went on Amazon from, you know, 947,000 up to, I think, I, I think he, his last ranking was like 30, 37. I mean, he just zoomed right yeah. up for a day, yeah. you know, and I said, oh, God, you know how many books that, that must mean? It was something like nine. Yep. Yep, and then the next day he dropped back down into the six hundred thousands. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So, I, you know, when... You know, you just can't quantify it. No. Nope. So while social media is important to know about and important to do or to have somebody do on your behalf, and you know that you're going to have a lot of eyes on your subject, you you can't... They haven't told me yet, to my satisfaction, what's the return on it. Right. What's the return? How many books can you sell? Again, you know, again, and I hate to start the sentences with, you know, way back when or in the old days. But right. when I started in publishing, if you've got a, a positive library journal review. Yeah. There was a thousand books right then and there you could count on. Okay. Good library journal review, boom, a thousand books. Uh, because everybody would order them. Yep. And um, there is none of that these days. No. There's, there's nothing that you can point to or count on or, you know, everybody has the answer. Well, there is no the answer. Yep. And, and to your point about not being able to quantify it, um, if you go exclusive on Kindle with their KDP program, you can give away your book for free. And I know people that's, that gave away for free over 10,000 copies of their book in a two- or three-day period. Right. And, again, that affects your rankings for about a week, and it keeps you up there, but it doesn't translate into the number of sales you would expect it to translate into. And the rankings drop back off. But you get reviews and that sort of thing. But again, um, you know, even if you... Doing a virtual book launch is not like in the old days doing a launch launch. And there are a lot of people that don't know how to do that anymore anyway. You know, you, you put it out to your social media. And like you said, she put it out to 10 million people. Well, how many of those people were actually people interested in going to look at the book and how many were just people that it went through their stream so quickly because they're following so many other people that they didn't actually really see it. You know, right. it went out to that many people, but how many of how many of those people actually caught the tweet as it was going through? I haven't been on Twitter all day. I don't know what's been said during the day unless someone sends me a direct message or an app message. I don't know what's going on, and I don't have the time to go scrolling back and find out. You know, so you've got to hit people. And in your case, with this particular book, that isn't something that necessarily would go viral on social media and get you people who are going to buy it. Because you're going after a very specific slice of the population. and exactly. And a lot of them may not want to share the fact that they're thinking about getting a, a weight loss surgery done. So they may read your book and love it, but they might just keep it to themselves because they're a little shy about discussing the subject in public. Yeah, that's true. I guess I never was, so... Right. Well, it, <laughs> yeah. depends, you know? uh, I mean, it depends. I think, every, yeah, if, if that's what makes horse races, as they say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Gene Simmons' wife, you know, Shannon and her sister went in and got plastic surgery together and and Jean and Shannon went and got plastic surgery together. So everybody knows they had plastic surgery. And then there's other people that, you know, hope that you don't notice that they had plastic surgery. They just tucked it up and, you know, won't make a big deal out of it. So, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. When you're dealing with people's body image 
And, you know, their outward appearance, some people are a little shy about how they got to be where they are. Yeah, you, you have a very good point. Well, we're just trying to give some information that hasn't been out there before in this format, hasn't been made so easy and so accessible. And uh, so that's why uh, we, we made the choices that we made. Uh, so that it's very easy for readers to just look up the questions that they want to have answered. They can either thumb through the book or they're listed in the back or they're separated by section. And you can find out what this um, uh, very bright, very able, uh, well-known doctor has to say about it. And uh, as, as I said, as if you're just sitting across from him, um, you know, having a nice tea, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what I did for about a year. So, <laughs> um, uh, so we're very, and, you know, we're very pleased at the at the result, which would not have happened if we hadn't chosen to go uh, the independent route. Yep. All right. Well, um, I think we talked about quite a lot to keep our our listeners uh, give them a lot to think about. Uh, where can people find uh, your website? Um, you said you don't do Twitter, but you do Facebook. But where, where's your main place that people can find you on the Internet? They can find us at weightyissuesbook.com. Okay. And did you put up a site for your little publishing company? No. No, no that's part of all you. the same thing. Okay. Weighty Issues. WeightyIssuesBook.com. WeightyIssuesBook.com. And they will get all the information that they could possibly want, and probably some they don't. <laughs> Which is a good part of the point and of then, the book. And then the, uh, then the book is available either through the site or on uh, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and places like that. I understand Google Books and a couple of other places, but uh, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble are the main places. Okay. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing all of your wonderful information. And for those of you who are listening to us on iTunes or through a podcatcher and you haven't actually been to our website, we'd like to invite you to come to bookgoodies.com, B-O-O-K-G-O-O-D-I-E-S.com. And also you can follow us on Twitter dot com slash book goodies and facebook dot com slash book goodies another good title by the way book goodies that's bad thank you (laughs) um and we would love for you to come to the site and do a search for nancy and you will find her um interview and you can leave comments um you know you can you can tell us if you bought the book or if you think it was a great idea for a book or you know anything that you want and also we'd love it if you would uh, fill out our be a guest on our podcast form we have a contact us form up there and also a link where you can tell us about your book and we'll put that up on the site and all those things are at no charge we want to get indie published books out there Um, all the good ones where people can find them so we outweigh some of the not so great ones Um, I want to thank everybody for listening and thanks again to geekcast.fm which hosts our web um, our podcasts and has lots of really neat stuff uh, really neat podcasts and even some video casts about uh, internet marketing in general so thanks everybody get writing and have a great day